0: This is the I read comic books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two mythological creatures from deep within the old forests: Kate Scotchless, yo. and Nick White. Uh, it's it's me, uh, Bigfoot. <laughs> come come find me in in the woods. I'm here uh, this week. This week, uh, we are talking about some very questionable things. I know last week's episode, I said, hey, I want to talk about Appalachian horror. And that's kind of what we're going to do for at least a little bit today. But before we get into that, I have an announcement. Um, I did make some changes on our Patreon, which uh, for those of you who maybe haven't seen this, maybe you should go check out uh, patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. We changed up some of our goals. So usually for various Patreon accounts, you have like these things where you know, a certain number of people subscribe or certain um, people are patrons or a certain amount of dollars, you know, you're trying to reach. I changed things up to be a little bit more, I guess interesting. Um, So now our Patreon goals, which were originally like we're going to do a sideshow and everything was really ephemeral. Now we have a distinct path towards insane things that we could potentially unlock once we get to a certain number of patrons and our goals sit at for 75 patrons we're going to do an IRCB tabletop RPG mini series or maxi series or something it could be the die RPG it could be the aliens RPG it could be Dungeons and Dragons it could be Pathfinder anything as soon as we get to 75 patrons we're going to get the wheels running on that I'm very excited right now we're at 33 patrons so this is a pretty lofty goal but I think it's achievable and I'm reaching out to all of you listening just go join that patron get access to all the amazing stuff we've got over there we've got this brand new series that we just started recording called a brand uh. A new Batmobile, better Batmobile, geez, oh, Pete's uh, that Paul is running up. It's going to be covering all of Grant Morrison's run on the infamous Batman series that they worked on. Um, it's really, really exciting. Paul and I recorded the first episode yesterday. It's awesome. Plus, we've got the Giant Days of Our Lives series, which is all about Giant Days of the Series. So if you've ever read that, you definitely want to go check out that series that Kara, Brian, and Kate did. We've got Paul and Mike Reed, Doom Patrol. We've got Book vs. Book, one of our early series. You've got uh, Saga of Saga. If you're just catching up on Saga, we did an ish issue-by-issue, arc-by-arc breakdown of every single issue of Saga. It was an unbelievable thing, and uh, I can't believe that we did it. So go check all that out. Go listen to the IRCB Movie Club, where it's me, Brian, and Paul talking about comic book movies that you get to vote on if you're a patron. Um, So many different things you can unlock there. So patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. The other thing that we have that i'm aiming for is once we hit 150 patrons this is like pie in the sky who knows that this is ever going to happen kind of thing we will debut a semi-regular i hate comic books podcast where we're going to be talking about all of the things that are bad or we dislike or our problems in the comic book world and just kind of going in maybe with a couple of beers in our stomachs we'll see Um, but if we hit 150 patrons we're going to try that out and see how it goes maybe that will change to something else Um, but anyways big changes we're really hoping for some some huge things happening this year and you can go help by going to patreon.com slash ircb podcast get on that subscriber list and you can get access to all that stuff.
1: Also, if we hit 200 subscribers, we'll release grainy photos of Nick in the woods. Yeah. Uh- <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. Um, anyway, so uh, I, I, I wanted to just get everybody let everybody know that that's happening. Um, if you're a patron, you've probably seen some of the stuff. And I've been making announcements in our schedule updates that we do. But um, this thing just happened this over this past weekend, and I wanted to make sure everybody knew. So enough with, with selling our own stuff. Let's talk about comic books. Let's talk about all the amazing things that we've been reading and how we've been. So I've got two legally mandated questions I have to ask. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick.
2: Uh, sure. Uh, I do have one quick question about uh, the housekeeping, though, briefly. Um, sure. I know that some of those numbers you said, oh, they seem lofty, they seem out of reach, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's nothing stopping people from creating a new email address and creating a another patreon subscription and just subscribe subscribing multiple times to the this patreon is true.
0: this is true we we okay. encourage that actually yeah okay
2: i just wanted to be i mean i'm i'm not gonna do that but there's probably other people out there who <laughs> <laughs> super fans are, are what they're called um so yeah uh, super fans get on that um yeah i mean west michigan weather watch uh yesterday <laughs> it was literally 60 degrees <laughs> Uh, and the snow was melting and, um, it seemed like a perfect day to go outside because that's what everybody else thought. And I said, Nope, too many, uh, too many people. I want to be out there when it's cold and frigid and it's just me walking along the lakeshore in solitude and just meditating on the water, uh, and then just having someone roll some B camera footage in there of Mm -hmm. me just Mm -hmm. thinking about it. We had crazy
1: um, high winds last night here.
2: Yeah, it was pretty wild. So, I mean, beyond that, I read Alien number ten this week, and I, I think after that, I just uh, I, I don't feel pain anymore. I'm just uh, <laughs> oh That's man, good, huh? <sighs> like it, someone are should you just weird or me. numb. <laughs> uh, I've become so numb I can't feel you there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right.
1: I don't know if that was right. set up, but. Uh, <laughs>
2: You definitely put the ball on the tee, and I just knocked it out of the park. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> this book was definitely me, and I think I'm just going to take up smoking, because it would have just been me every five minutes just going, oh, fuck. <laughs> Look, this th- This book is by Philip Kennedy Johnson, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Clayton Coles. Uh, We're now four issues into this six-issue arc, the second arc called Revival. Uh, It largely surrounds this religious organization called the Spinners, which much like many um, uh, contemporary religious groups have sort of decided they're not going to uh, deal with modern technology and set themselves apart uh, as their own society. And they broker this deal with the United Americas and basically... Uh, the United America says, "Hey, if you terraform this moon for us, um, which we sort of need as a, a midpoint colony, then we'll just give you the moon once you're done terraforming it." And the beginning of the book starts with them finishing the terraforming process, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so great to not have to deal with gross technology anymore." And they turn down the machines, and they're like, "Fuck computers!" Wow. And then a and then a visitor shows up, and you know, you you get one guess. We all know what that is. Uh, and uh, it starts killing people, and you learn you learn that uh, xenomorph attacks are non-denominational. Um...
1: <laughs> well, Very that's equal good, opportunity of them. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So, oh, God, the arcs dragged on for too long, and LaRocca, whose art was kind of all over the place in the first arc, uh, isn't really doesn't really benefit from the fact that with this arc taking place sort of a lot of it in the middle of the day outside. You can't really cover the characters' faces in shadows or, you know, (laughs) dimly lit corridors. And so everything's Uh just there to be seen. Uh And just the uncanny valley just runs rampant at that point. And um, thankfully, we're at a point in the story where minor spoilers, bad decision-making is starting to really escalate uh, to the point where it's like, I want to go into the cave and so I'm like, oh, thank God, I don't have to look at your faces again. So maybe the next two issues will turn around um, as it starts killing everyone and I don't have to look at the people anymore. So, yeah, uh, comics are good and so are you. Uh, and okay. uh, yeah, Uh did read a few other things. I will briefly mention this book. I know, Mike, I think you read this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Radio Spaceman, number one, written by Mike Mignola, art by Greg Hinkle. Colors by Dave Stewart, Letters by Clem Robbins. I I think Dave and Clem have brokered some insane deal with Mike because (laughs) they never get to leave. Uh, They're just stuck. I've really, really, really enjoyed this book. I've really enjoyed this book. I was looking forward to this book for a really long time, which is generally not a good sentence. Usually things go downhill from there, but really, really enjoyed this book. I think it's perfect when we talk about, oh, this is a perfect book comic book for people who don't read comics uh, this is a perfect jumping on point for people that don't want to deal um with a overarching canon or massive world building or you know people throw around oh perfect jumping on point so much these days that it just means nothing you just go okay fine but this book just really just kicks off with this you you You've got this guy, you're dropping off this guy who goes to this planet. He literally jumps in a rocket and flies off. And yeah, that's really it. It's just about a floating skull and a helmet attached to a spacesuit that blasts off in a rocket on a rescue mission to a faraway planet. For some reason, I thought Mignola was going to write and draw this, which is, you know. Borderline rarity for Mignola. I don't know why I thought that. Like he he always does the covers to the books he writes. So I don't know why when I looked at Radio Space Man, I went, "Oh, it's all Mignola," and he never does this, which is you know not totally true. He drew the final issue of Witchfinder last year, uh, Archeron, mm-hmm. Acheron, and to end. that was probably the first time he'd done that since maybe I want to say Hellboy in Hell, which was like a while. Anyway, um, so it was a big deal, and I was kind of disappointed when I was like, "Well, who, 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 who the hell is Greg Hinkle, and who does he think he is?" Uh,
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, Nick, tell us how I you mean, really feel. <laughs> you know, I,
2: I did. I was kind of like, "Well, who is this guy? I don't even. I've never even heard this name." Yeah, the dude is real. The dude is legit. Yeah, I, I remember maybe reading the first issue of his Airboy series from Image like six years ago, and it was okay. Yeah, I mean, that book got
0: really problematic in the end, so that's it's probably best that you didn't I,
2: finish it. Okay, that's I, I heard it went to some interesting, not great places. Um, But honestly, great art. Absolutely loved it. If this guy wants to continue to work in comics, and I don't blame him if maybe he doesn't, given some things that go on, this guy should definitely be
0: getting more work. Fantastic. He did a Black Cloud series from Image for a little bit. I think that ran for 12 issues. Um, I read a couple of issues of that. It, his art's pretty good, you know. I think he is solid. Um, I, having read this book, I kind of don't know why it's two issues. Um, I don't know why <clears throat> it, it's more than just a one shot or like an oversized one shot or something because it's. I'm pretty sure this is like 22 or 24 pages long. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This book was weird because it's like cool, a little weird thing that like feels like a. A comic you would pick up in 1976 yeah. at a 7-11 that's just like crazy thing happens in space and there's like these this thing and that thing and blah blah I don't want to spoil it for anyone that wants to read this bizarre out there comic but I like it but it's also like did it need to be two issues I'm I'm very uncertain as to why that happened that's the, my biggest gripe with the whole book
2: yeah and I I I really love the fact that Mike Mignola is just very bluntly honest about the fact that this Book literally spun out of uh for those who remember he was doing a bunch of um sort of pandemic sketches for charity back in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, and he drew this character once or twice and uh the reception was really really positive and so he drew the character a couple more times mm-hmm. and then said well what the heck let's do something with this and i, I love this And in, in an interview with polygon he said well radio spaceman is almost nothing as a character he's a good visual but he's basically just a puppet. Does he have a personality? I'm not sure. He's only shown a trace of personality in the first issue, and I don't know if that will develop more in the second issue. <laughs> 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 he goes on to say, uh, the character can't talk, so it's a visual-oriented book. It's like an escalating situation of dropping a guy to a planet, and then there's this incident that leads to this thing, which leads to this bigger thing, which and it culminates in basically a gigantic explosion. I actually don't know. I actually don't think that it has an explosion, but it probably has explosions. I can't remember. Um,
0: so Mike's really paid
2: attention to his own work. <laughs> uh, so I, The you know, honesty I, is
1: refreshing.
2: <laughs> he's, true, true. I mean, later in the interview, he's like, I've been feeling bad about some of the other books that have me with story writing credits. Because he's like, the other guy wrote 90%. And I basically had a phone call with him. And I'm like, you know what? Respect. Yeah, you Respect. know what?
0: Give Chris Roberson what he deserves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know, I I definitely get that. And then just five seconds on these last two things. I read a lot. Uh, a right, I, I I always get this title wrong. A righteous thirst for vengeance by Rick mm-hmm. Remender and Andre Lima Arujo. I will never get this title right. I will never remember this title right. I always confuse it with David Eager's book, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Do not ask me why I do that, but I do. It's the fastest issue, issue I've read this week. It's probably the fastest issue I've read in months. Honestly, I don't know where this book is going. It's great. And I read the first three issues of What's the Furthest Place from Here by Tyler Boss and Matthew Rosenberg. And it feels like Tyler Boss's calling card for all of his works, whether it's this or or we can never go home, or four kids walk into a bank is child endangerment. What is the deal? <laughs> it's just I, child endangerment nonstop. Sure,
0: sure. I mean, I can I can definitely see that. Um <laughs> I uh I do like I do have a question about uh what's the furthest place from here, if only to ask, how do you feel about the chapter markers? Uh
2: do you mean the are you talking about the introductory page with the heads, or are you talking about how
0: it's chooses to split up the all the scenes yeah the thing that splits up all the scenes where it's like chapter nine and then it's a quote from something that someone's gonna say in like half a page
2: yeah i don't need
0: that okay i just was curious well interesting i'm glad you read a lot of comics nick it's good to hear i appreciate it um it was a nice day
2: so i i I stayed inside
0: inside uh well kate what about you how have you been how have comic books been
1: uh i have been better uh but Mm -hmm. you know my doctor has been telling me i need to eat more salt and so it's really nice hanging out with nick um who is just nothing but salt (laughs) these days i think it's gonna be really helpful for me my favorite thing about the high salt diet is every time someone sees me doing it or taking my salt pills telling me it won't that raise your blood pressure (laughs) so that's literally the point my dude but Uh um so I've been better. I just uh, moved back home and, and in on some new meds that I'm getting used to. So I've done a lot, a lot of hanging out on the couch, watching TV and reading comics. And I read Once in Future, Volume 2, Old English, about half of it. So probably issues seven through nine, mm-hmm. which is the book by Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora with um, colors by Tamara bon- Bonvillain. So I read about half of it waiting... Yeah, before a test, a medical test I had to do. And it was one of those situations when they're like, be here at this time. And then you find out that they told you to be there like two hours early for no fucking reason. And so I just sat there and read comics. And I will say it I enjoyed this enough that it did make the time pass faster than it would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy it enough that I then finished it when I got home and then it was due at the library. So now I have to check it out again. So I'll get there. But um, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as the first volume um the premise is basically like grendel is out and about now and the first half of the book at least seems like real just monster fight book and a lot less about the you know the whole premise of legends are real and they're in the other world and we can change them and they emerge and they affect the real world and this and that right like that that's what i found really cool the first half of volume two is very much less like fight fight big monster, big monster mm-hmm. scary and bad and run around and, you know, which is a totally legit kind of comic. It just has never really been for me. Um so I'm hoping gotcha. it gets kind of back into the original um stuff. And luckily it's on Hoopla, so I can, you know, pick it up to finish it anytime. But I also read two or three to try to think of less peaks um but up through volume nine of the Babysitters Club graphic novels. Listen, sometimes you just need that uh, warm glass of milk type comic. (laughs) Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, they are delightful. They are not anywhere near as good as they were when Raina Telgemeier was doing them for the first, I think, four. They have had several different people writing and drawing them at this point in the series. And I'm pretty sure the 10... 10 11 12 also have someone new but i'd have to go back and look but they were Mm -hmm. fun and easy and a good like bedtime chaser after watching and reading other stuff my sister and i have been watching a lot of like true crime stuff in the evenings, so it's nice to have the like really sweet friendship is magic kind of stuff afterwards (laughs) so you can you know stop thinking about all the slain bodies you just listened to so what a
2: tonal whiplash
1: yeah yeah um Everything works out in the end in middle grade books and I think that's nice. <laughs> so, yeah, how about you, Mike?
0: Um, I've been I've been good. Uh trying to uh, I read a lot of comic books. Um unfortunately, a lot of them were not very good, which Aww. is kind of the worst feeling in the world to read like upwards of 12 12- or fifteen single issue comics, and none of them were like, "Yeah, this is actually really solid."
1: Shit, was this your regular pull list, or were you trying new books?
0: Oh, oh this is all my regular pull no. list too. Um, so yeah, so I've been I've been busy just like figuring out. I mean, it's the time of the year for like taxes, and also trying to buy a house. So like, I'm also doing all sorts of different. Phone calls with lawyers and tax people Um, fucking being in your 30s is awful. Uh, don't be married to someone who changed their job three times. And also you have to deal with changing jobs and yada, 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 uh, because, man, it makes everything complicated.
1: Yeah, I can just say years like that, it is super worth it to pay 200 bucks to someone to do your taxes oh. for you.
0: Kate, you read my mind because yeah. that's exactly what I'm so, doing this year. So I'm worth like, it. <laughs> I've got all these documents and I don't know what to do with them. I can pay you money to just yeah, figure exactly. it out for me. The right? one
1: year I had three different <laughs> uh jobs. I was just like, fuck it.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. So uh complicated stuff uh on the really boring front. But I did spend a lot of time, like I said, you know, working on the Patreon stuff. Uh I've got a couple of things coming down the line for that. Uh Better Batmobile was recorded this past week, which weekend, which is really, really cool. And um, Yeah, we just got I just got like the first sketch back from the artist that's doing the cover for that. And it looks incredible. I cannot wait to show it to everybody. Uh, We'll be posting it wherever we get it once it's finished up. But um, yeah, so I did. But I did read some comics that were actually good enough for me to talk about. Because like I even listen, I've been rating my (laughs) books like for the past year. This since I started this year, nothing got really above a three That was worth it out of five in my list. But these two books, I at least want to talk about them. Um, So I read Batman Gothic. This is uh, Grant Morrison, Klaus Jansen, is one of the books that we're reading for the first episode of A Better Batmobile. And all I can really say about this is while I don't think that this is a perfect comic book, I do think this is probably one of the best Batman stories that I've ever read, in that it has everything that you would ever want out of a Batman story. It's got Detective work, mysticism, violence, something about Batman's past come back to haunt him, Alfred making dinner, um, a bat ship. Uh, we've got the, the mob bosses of Gotham that are somehow intertwined with the mysticism of whatever weird, crazy thing that's happening in Batman's world. Um, and the thing that I found the most interesting about this book is that Morrison writes Batman with such a fervor, such an anger in him that he he doesn't just want to stop crime he hates crime so much that he is committing unbelievable violence towards those who are committed it in Gotham there's an iconic page that I didn't realize was a thing until I talked to Paul about it. But there's a page where Batman says, you know, Gotham downtown is hell and I am the king of hell. And he's jumping down from this thing. What? It's just Batman saying, <laughs> I am the king of hell. It was, it's basically something I'm going to get tattooed on my back, like right across the entire back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, really cool looking. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really good book. Uh, if you haven't read this, I say, give it a chance. Um, plus, if you're going to listen to the better Batmobile series, you definitely got to read it. But, um, yeah, for a book that came out in 1990, I was like, I don't really care that much for Klaus Jansen's work overall, uh, especially as a penciler. I think his inking work is incredible. But Whoa, as a penciler, Mike's about to middle. make some friends. Ooh, uh, yeah, boy. yeah. Like I said, like I said, you know, I, I got a lot of thoughts. You can hear me talk all sorts of oh, shit on this other podcast. But um, yeah, so on the whole, though, this book is great. And I think when Klaus Jansen does things right, like, oh, my gosh, it's some of the coolest looking art you've ever seen. How so, many
1: issues is collected in it?
0: This is a. Uh, Four or five issue, like arc. It's really, really short and it's really good. Like, Everything is super contrived and insane, but in all the right ways. Nothing feels out of place huh. until you start to talk about it outside of the comic. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you're like, none of this actually is interest. or none of this is actually makes any sense. And then, but in the story, it totally does. So, um, highly recommend that if you're looking for like just a solid Batman book. And this is on Hoopla for the record. So you can Ooh. check it out. The other book that I want to talk about really quick is One Piece. one 1041, chapter 1041. Um, I haven't talked about One Piece in a while. I've been reading it. All I can say is I really like this latest chapter. I know the new chapter came out today, I think um, as of March 6th, but this last chapter that I read was 1041 by Ichiro Oda. And the thing that surprises me is that One Piece, as a story, I'm not going to tell you everything you need to know about One Piece to get you up to date here, um, but uh, one Piece is kind of known for having these really, really, really long chapters, or at least I think it is. Um, this arc that has, or excuse me, not chapters, but arcs. This story arc that One Piece is on right now has been going on since 2018. So we are in one continuous storyline for like 120 plus chapters. What? And I think at the, based on how 1041 ended, we may actually see the end of this story arc in 2022 and i'm very excited um the wano country arc uh it's big business with the with the emperor of the sea known as kaido for anyone who's reading i think that we all might of us see the up end to of it date,
2: mike all I, of us are I, you don't all of us are up to date you don't okay need to, good please. okay good
0: um but yeah i'm really excited that this might be the end of this arc because i don't know could one piece be even closer to getting finished there's so many things <laughs> that haven't been touched uh i don't know i just I think the thing that really blows me away about this entire series is that really longtime readers deserve some respect because <laughs> if you were reading this week to week back in 2000, back in 2010, like you've been reading like only a handful of story arcs. Right. And like, I only came to one piece in like 2020. Right. And I started reading it and I got caught up at the beginning of 2021 when chapter 1000 came out. But I, this this single story arc having gone on for almost four years now is insane to me. I can't imagine doing this for twenty years. You know, it's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I, I really like the recent chapter. Um, yeah, everything else is garbage. I gave an X Men book. <laughs> okay, wait, X Men number nine. I gave it a one out of five. It was that bad. I am okay? very oh. curious about
1: this. So you're oh. telling me, and you've probably told me this before, and it just like etch a sketch out of my brain because that's how it works during the pandemic. Um, but you rate single issues.
0: I rate everything that I read. Okay. So like if it's a if it's a collected edition, I rate the collected edition mm. as as a whole. If I rate if I rate a single issue, I rate it as a whole. My it, the system doesn't isn't perfect, but that's just how I do things. Like reading a thing is a single unit, right? Yeah. So like I read all of Sweet Tooth in like the three bound editions and so I rated those individual bounded editions yeah. um, as in as single items compared to rating every single issue. Interesting.
1: So I, when Goodreads first started having or I first became aware of them having who knows if I actually, maybe they had it all along, but like single issues of comics on Goodreads so that you could log and rate individual issues. I tried to do that and very quickly gave up because I realized that when i would rate an issue like in the middle of an arc it might actually turn out to be like a really good arc that i love there just maybe wasn't as much of the elements that i really enjoyed in that issue or mm-hmm. the issue was very much just the middle of the rising action so there wasn't any real payoff at the end of the issue or something like i i I stopped doing it for that reason because I felt like I wasn't being fair to it. But I also see lots of people that I'm friends with from our um, Goodreads group um, and Kate Lamphere, one of the podcasters with us, doing rating them and having no problem. And it's interesting to me how you balance that um in your head because i i mean i trust you and kate both to not like that you're being fair to the books and everything
0: yeah i mean a lot of it is you know i, I question myself all the time about this and so this is going to add another layer of of anxiety to doubt, me rating doubt, my own doubt. personal like rating system that no one's ever going to see but me um like is it just based on my mood am i not, am i yeah. fe- feeling irritable today and so i gave all of my books lower ratings or something yeah. uh i don't know well, it's but
1: subjective. i it's, it is mean. and that's
0: but at the th- at the same time i'm just like I rate things by just putting them in an Excel spreadsheet, and I don't go to Goodreads. It's too cumbersome. There's no good, easy system. Wait, Even going wait, to wait, wait, of wait, 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 wait. So
1: you have a giant Excel... I was assuming you were doing this on that... Um- that site you told me about with comic books. Um
0: Yeah, no, I don't do it on I mean, I sometimes do it on League of Comic Geeks just to like share my ratings yeah. for the week. Um, but no, I do this in an Express Excel spreadsheet because there's no more easier direct way to just like list my book and the rating next to it with some notes. My God. So um, you
1: have an enormous spreadsheet out there with everything you mm-hmm. read comics-wise. Mike, I think – I know we've crowned you before, but I do think this, like, extra takes the comic nerd crown that's, like, I, next level.
0: <laughs> I don't think I'm the only person out here that does oh, this. Oh, no, I know um, you're not. I – I uh, this is a whole other conversation, but, like, I want to figure out this solution, but in a more consolidated way. <sighs> It's just like League of Comic Geeks has so many problems with their UI where like just because you hit a rating doesn't mean that you want to do a bunch of other things just because you marked something as red doesn't mean you need to want to actually interact with it beyond right. just marking things. I've got all sorts of problems with with things and uh, uh, the Internet. I feel like there is the problem is that so many people approach how they manage and want to handle and organize their comics in so many different ways that there is no one universal way yeah. to solve it. The, but League of Comic Geeks is close. uh at one point the old conixology site had something that was kind of okay. And then they got rid of it. Yeah. Like the polis site had a lot of that stuff that kind of disappeared, you know, way, way, way back in the day. So um, I know. So, there's this there's this whole bubbling thing in my stomach where i'm like i should just quit my job and, and build a comic site mm-hmm. that and no. destroy all the other comic sites uh, but, but then, then like, you
1: now we're gonna have a mortgage payment and that really right. tanks those. and ambitions. then the problem <laughs> is that that
0: there's no one who's going to pay for this thing yeah. um there's no huge value in it because there's not a lot of money in comics and especially in tech in comics right. um so yeah, um whole of the thing, I'd be happy to have that conversation with anybody who wants to. I, I this happens all the time on the on the hangouts. So if you're not coming to the Discord hangouts, you know, get on that. But anyways, let's move on before I get even further into this Pandora's box of cans of worms. Um let's talk about comics that uh we're excited for, comics that we're looking forward to read next. Um uh, let's talk about books that are on the top of our pile. Uh, and let's start with you, Kate. What's on the top of your pile?
1: Top of my pile is definitely the Department of Truth, Volume 2, um, The City Upon a Hill. Uh, writer is James Tinian and artist is Martin Simmons. I read Volume 1 for this week's topic and am super curious where this book goes. Um, I also just like love, love, love the art in this book and want to check out other books that Martin Simmons has done. I think that is like I really enjoyed the premise and the writing is really solid and all of that. But the art was absolutely what took the volume two the to the top of my to read pile, as opposed to the other things I had already checked out on Hoopla. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really jazzed about that. And I am going to. remind you in our discussion that your girl has not read volumes two or three. And if you completely major spoil it, um, I know where you live, Nick White. I know. Oh, <laughs> um but I, guess I, I was know what really... I'm not
2: talking about on the second half of this yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Minor spoilers are fine. I don't care. Um but major plot points would be uh sad. But that that's what's top for me. It helps that it is available immediately on Hoopla where like it was definitely one of those books I enjoyed enough that the minute I finished it, I clicked to see if volume two was available and checked it out immediately, though I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to start it yet. But I am very into this and I am glad that it looks like volume three is coming soon or is already here, but not on Hoopla. Um, so hoping to like be able to get caught up in everything.
0: Yeah, the thing about the Department of Truth is that in order for someone to spoil major plot points, they'd have to sit you down for fifteen or twenty minutes. So you think um, Nick I isn't don't...
1: willing to do that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, all right, that's how yeah. I did it.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> Nick, what about you? What's on the top of your pile?
2: I mean, first off, like what an embarrassment of riches coming out this week. So mm-hmm. many good things. So many good things. I'm just going to briefly just throw a couple of these out there and just say why why they didn't make the cut. Look. Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca number 1 is coming out. I, I wh- why? Why do you want another story about Han Solo and Chewbacca in their smuggling days? I don't. Who I don't know what they got up to, Nick.
0: I well, don't. And so therefore, uh even if I do know, what good. if there's a story that I don't know?
2: I want I, to read this. I can. I, I can tell you what's going to happen, okay? Because I've read the product description, and I'm. I'm. I'm a smart guy. Just kidding. And Kara
0: uh, says uh, the reason why is because he's the sexy one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. <laughs> they're
2: they're going on a smuggling mission. The big catch is that Greedo is involved. I know what's going to happen. Mark Guggenheim is going to try to make us feel for the fact that Han Solo eventually kills Greedo. That's you're not going to make me feel that. I'm not going to. That's not going to happen. If 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 this book tries to make me feel bad about the Rodians' murder in Mos Eisley Cantina on Tatooine in the year of our Lucas, zero BBY, it's not going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. Okay. okay. I know there's a Jeff Lemire book coming out this week. Little Monsters number one. Jeff Lemire, Dustin Nguyen. I know. Everyone buckle in. This book is not my pick for this week. Okay? I love Jeff Lemire. I love Dustin Nguyen them doing another coming of age book about a kid. Uh, but Nick, the kid is a vampire in a post-apocalyptic story about a uh, kid vampires in LA. I don't need a post-apocalyptic narrative. We are minutes to midnight on the doomsday clock. I do not need this right now. Um Okay. 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 Uh, Danny says, hello lost. Bo-. That's exactly my point, Danny. Um I, I, I don't need it. Uh Also, uh chillin in another world with level two super cheap powers volume three is coming out what it's Did you a manga- just make
0: this comic nope up?
2: it's a manga look it up chillin in another world with level okay. two super we all cheap knew it powers. was a manga
1: from the title come on
2: <laughs> <laughs> i almost picked this because of the title i knew nothing else about the book didn't pick it um crimson rain 3 is coming out actually kind of excited for that but my pick for this week is delicious in dungeon volume 10 by ryoku kui I know, I know. It's a manga. I picked a manga, and you I picked- tossed Jeff Lemire yeah. to the to the to the curb.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we got him.
2: The t- <laughs> I feel like you could just put the picture of Obama in the um the conference room. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Nick, tell us why this is your pick.
2: Yeah, I mean, look. Do you love manga? Do you love cooking? Do you like eating other people's cooking? Do you love D and D or tabletop games? Then you got to be reading Delicious in Dungeon. Mm-hmm. end of story it's, thank you i'm so excited I, for this book
0: dude me too i'm i'm very mad that you stole this <laughs> pick out from underneath me um but that's okay because i am i'm very excited for that book i'm very excited for my copy to come in um but the other book that i'm very excited about is one that i have been looking forward to since it was announced like in 2020 oh okay um, this is squire by nadia shamas and uh sarah alpha Alphagi. uh this is a book that's like fantasy it's like a ya fantasy about a young girl who wants to become a knight but she's from a country where she's not allowed to actually enroll in the military but in order to become like a full fledged citizen with all the amenities that uh that you would get as like uh as part of this military she she has to enroll in this college or this this uh, they called it a a a squire camp where you have to compete with other people to become the next big knight in this army. And once you do so, you basically become this rich and powerful person, but she is going to find that, uh, the greater good that the army that she signed up for is fighting for, uh, is maybe rooted in very bad, dangerous things. I tried to sum up a really like complex synopsis here, but this comic looks great. I've seen a lot of Nadia Shamas talking about this. Sarah Alphagee's art is incredible. If you haven't seen her stuff, you should really, really dig in on it. I'll post a link in the uh, show notes as a preview for this book, but this this looks incredible. It's right up my alley. Um, YA fantasy stuff that's like in the a little bit older age range um, is fantastic and I think this book looks beautiful and fun and I think these two creators together are an incredible team and the best part about this is that this is not your your standard like European centric fantasy this seems to be more angled toward um, like Middle Eastern culture and African culture um, so I'm again really excited to see like a different style on this idea of fantasy, you know, knights in armor and kind of stuff, but from a totally different perspective. Um, And these two creators seem very, very solid. So yeah, very much looking forward to this book. Um, The other thing that I should say before we get into uh, second half of this episode because thank you for calling it out everybody in the chat. I apologize. <laughs> uh, we do have two folks hanging out with us on the in our Discord today who had some picks. Danny is picking Little Monsters number one, and I think he's giving Nick the middle finger in the chat because he yeah, didn't pick it. Uh, and Paul G is picking Black Sad. They all fall down. A new installment in the Black Sad series, which is very very exciting as well. Um, so looking forward to both of those. I'm probably going to read both of them, but um, they were not my pick this week because Squire's coming out. Come on. Um, anyways we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking about comics that constantly have us on Wikipedia trying to figure out what parts are real life um, and sometimes we'd be better off knowing whether or not they are the truth so we will be back in just a second hey everyone Just a quick heads up about the second half of this week's episode. We talked a little bit about conspiracy theories and diving down Wikipedia holes, but we also talked about some very serious subjects such as sexual assault, murder, and anxiety. If those things make you uncomfortable, you may want to skip the second half of the episode. Just giving you a heads up, now on to the show. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about comics that constantly have us on Wikipedia trying to figure out what parts are real and which ones we'd rather know aren't uh this is a really interesting topic if only because it feels like we're just circling back to the idea of horror comics but at the same (laughs) time um i think this was kind of inspired off of all three of us myself nick and kate having read department of truth and kind of going oh no this is a bit too real And then yeah. thinking about that even more, um, Nick. I know you've got a whole big list, um, Kate. I I do want to get your thoughts on this just to, before we get started, or, or to get started, I should say. Um, like, where in comics do you find yourself almost being the most creeped out? Where you are like, I don't want to know if this is real or not.
1: Um, for sure, true crime, and okay. the, Especially, I have really enjoyed, but also been like haunted by the true crime. Um, memoirs that are by people who had uh, more direct experiences surrounding a serial killer or something like that.
0: Gotcha. So the, the fact that I sent you a copy of, um, did you hear what Eddie Gein done... Uh, Yeah, Uh any game done uh, uh probably was not a good thing. I am
1: very excited to read that. I was planning on reading it for this episode, but ran out of time reading other books for this episode. So, yes. Yeah, I am very excited for it. And you also sent me My Friend Dahmer, which is like my most perfect example of this, where it is so good (laughs) and I love it so much. And it is oof dark and just scary because it's that whole like you never know who's the gonna be that like that you know what I mean
0: oh yeah the the idea of serial killers in general is like is terrifying if only because of the you know the thing that the news I think has done over the past 30 or 40 years um taking the idea of serial killers and saying they could be living in your backyard you know like
1: (laughs) it's your nice neighbor next door exactly yeah. Which yeah. sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but like sometimes right. that's, I mean, that was one of the books I read, Becoming Unbecoming, is about the mm-hmm. Yorkshire Ripper. And that was 100% where, like, when he got arrested finally, the pe- his neighbors were like, oh, but he's so nice. <laughs> and you we were like, well, oh, boy. except for when he hammers women to, ha- to death, well, you know? <laughs>
2: that's how he was able to keep going for yeah, as long as yeah. I, yeah. That's always, I always love that. Oh, he seems so nice. Well, that was kind of how he was mm-hmm. able to function. Okay
0: um <laughs> well nick what about you where where's your head coming at with this episode because i know we we talked about this kind of a little bit in our chat going into the ep- or before the episode um and planning and stuff like but where where are you thinking with things
2: yeah i mean i i, I sort of suggested this just because I, and i i think department of truth was one book um certainly there were some other ones but there are definitely books where I'm just like picking up my phone and I'm like is this fucking real? Like is this real? <laughs> is
0: is Hellboy real? Um <laughs> Uh, you, you start with something like a Department of Truth, and then you start to read other comics that day, and you're like, could the turtles actually be real? Could TMNT actually have happened? Does a, does a, does a mutated turtle have the manual dexterity
2: to hold a pair of size? Is that functionally, mechanically possible? Am I being lied to? Right, uh, right. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah, so Department of Truth is definitely one for me, and and I think part of it was just that um, I, I think the funny thing about a book like Department of Truth is that it's almost like a zero sum game when you come away from reading a book like that, because you're either in a camp where like everything you read in that book is news to you. And you're like, Oh, I never knew people thought this way about flat Earth theory or people thought this way about, you know, a, a like, like airport false flag actors or something. The, the false flag actors or the, or the Denver airport or things like this. And you're like, wow, like this is all like, people believe this, this is weird. And like, that's not great because it probably means you've been living under a rock or in like you know the 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 Unabomber's cabin in the woods or whatever, and I know so mm-hmm, some people are mm-hmm. like, Nick, the FBI took that away, and it's in a facility, and I know that I know that okay. you don't need to tell me <laughs> um, and then you have the opposite camp which I think is where I start to fall in. And it's an equally disconcerting camp, which is like, yeah, I know about this. Yeah, I know about this. Yeah, I know about this too. These are all very basic theories. And it's like, that's not a good place to be either. Like. (laughs) Right. If chances are, there are enough people who are like so deeply steeped in this stuff, where it's like some of those people are deeply steeped in it because they believe some of these things. Right. Right. So, um, I think the goal is to be somewhere
0: in the middle. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. And I wish I was um Well, it's it's problematic, right? Because I think the the idea of stuff, especially when it comes to like conspiracy theories and like the mythos around various you know monsters and stuff, you kind of question this idea of like you know Loch Ness being like a, a thing or Bigfoot being like a thing that everyone kind of knows about. It's like a cryptid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like that all becomes old hat when you start to dive down the rabbit hole of like, no, no, we're going to talk about Black Eyed Kids. No, we're going to talk about the Men in Black. No, we're going to talk right. about like all these different things that are are pieces of different conspiratorial thought like that like fall flag
2: out. school shootings yeah mm-hmm. right right yeah. that all
0: that kind of stuff and right. the more you get interested in these types of topics the more you start to fall down these rabbit holes where eventually you're just like no no no, i don't believe any of it but i definitely am wearing my tinfoil hat to bed like not for any reason just because you know it, it, it kind of becomes like you're almost like damning yourself for being interested in the subject and I know that this is focusing on only one piece of this this topic, but uh, I find that like even when we we talk about things like the the My Friend Dahmer or Kate, you've got listed in your notes, the Green River Killer, like I'm Nick and you and I had read like a Brian Michael Bendis murder book at one point. And it's like the more you start so, to get into these yeah. things, you're kind of just like you start scratching your brain of just like start trying to find these patterns in the real world beyond things. Um, and this episode is just us slowly admitting that we're all like conspiracy theorists and that's what we do when we're not on the podcast. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel like you can, you can unravel a little bit when you dig too deep into this stuff, which is why it's important to step back and go and read a nice, you know, I almost picked the Kirby manga, uh, like the Nintendo character manga, because it's supposed to be a nice fluffy story about Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i uh (laughs) i don't know because like it's weird if you go down these these rabbit holes too far you end up like in a real like sweaty anxious head under the blankets with a flashlight pointing at your phone for some reason kind of moment but i don't know but because i i read things like junji ito's books like the handful of books that i've read of his and i just get like creeped out by the idea of like shapes in the night and stuff when like as soon as I go to sleep and wake up the next day, I go, "Oh yeah, this is not real. There's no way this is real." Even if I Googled it and fell down the SCP hole on on Reddit or something, um, which I can't even do anymore because I'm too much of a scaredy cat. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole thing. So I'm I'm just rambling at this point. I don't know, Kate, Nick, please take this away from me.
1: Yeah, I really like the rabbit holes. Honestly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I go on those subreddits. I end up on. Now that I'm on TikTok, uh, like terminally on TikTok at this point mm-hmm, in my life, mm-hmm. I keep getting my for you pages figured out that I like these things. So it gives me these videos of people essentially reading the things from Reddit of people's stories that like that are basically like creepypasta or whatever. Um, of Like <laughs> I was in the woods alone. And then when I got I developed my photos, there were photos of me sleeping um, like that kind of thing. And I really, <sighs> really get. Too into that in the same way that, like, I just watched a YouTube thing of like the most 15, the 15 worst, you know, amusement park rides and that all got shut down and these horrific disasters that happened with it. I'm like, why is this entertaining? Uh, but it is. <laughs> and I think it's just because I'm broken inside. Um, sure. But like the Department of Truth, I, I like that it, they're all like recognizable. Um, conspiracy theories for to me in volume one but i think just do
2: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: so i i liked it but in in that way it didn't make me actually look anything up because they were all like very prominent ones right sure. and uh but what i really liked was that um concept of the one conspiracy theory to rule them all because that's very much what QAnon is where it just kind of absorbs all other conspiracy theories and mm. Xander and i watched um, the QAnon docu-series together that was on HBO. And then they just mm-hmm. recently um, more or less have figured out who the two men were that were posing as Q, right, from mm-hmm. linguistics mm-hmm. analysis and stuff like that. And so I've been very into, like, curious about slash horrified by that whole thing. And then the that angle on this and the story with the fantastical element of, like, the whole if enough people believe it, it becomes true. But is that that fantastical? Because at a certain point, yeah, that's exactly, exactly how the world works, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Berenstein, Berenstain yeah. kind of thing. You know, it's like Mandela effect. But the but I think that the Department of Truth leans more into the idea of like tulpas, right? Where like you're putting belief into a thing right. that eventually becomes it, to it's life. It's fantastical Ideation in made that, real. yeah, it's yeah. fantastical yeah. in the
1: sense that things literally become the literal truth, right? Versus yeah, yeah. the Um, like becoming unbecoming goes into of like if you were raped and everyone in the world says no you weren't every single other person then it functionally becomes the world's truth that you weren't and you get to kind of struggle with that on your own especially like the author is a child when this happens and already has a kind of shaky grasp on consent and sex in general and all those things so it's like then it literally becomes the truth to her and everyone else that this was mm-hmm. actually her fault and her choice and all that, right? So I think there there is a way in the world that we what everyone popularly beca- believes becomes what's real, but not in the obvious sense of like and then there was this hell demon that we all brought into being, right? So Right, right, right. Um but the art on that is so good that it sucks me in way more the way that it the color work is done in a way that is both vibrant but also kind of muddy so that things are often a little unclear mm-hmm. i think works super well with the story what did you guys yeah, think I, about that
0: i i never are we talking becoming unbecoming oh because sorry I, department, of department, of oh, okay. Okay. On department of truth department of truth yeah i mean yeah department of truth i mean i mean i can't even don't don't even get me started because like that book i I think the the experimental nature of the book Mm -hmm. adds to the chaos that makes you uncertain uncertain but also very certain as to what's being shown to you yeah and you know i think if you read other artists uh works that have done similar things like this like they all have Uh, a very distinct way of getting information to you that, that works within their style. And I think Simmons does a great job of using like color work and like it almost feels like uh, collage work yes. to try to like show things that are real but also extremely wrong when you look at them at the same time. Like I'm specifically I kept
1: thinking of our friend Paul who does collages <laughs> and being yeah. like, this yeah. is like if Paul went crazy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. It- um, well,
0: pl- on top of the illustrative work that also lives inside the story, right? Because yeah. there is still a lot of illustration going on. Um, but when he needs to make a like, I am specifically thinking of the issue that's about the the woman whose child is, uh, you know, p- p- painted right. as this false flag actor, right? Um, that whole issue is full of tons and tons of different like collage work to try to show the like clear imagery but also show that it's broken and strange and it is as much as you recognize it it doesn't feel right like i, I took a lot away from from that that first arc of the series because it does so much with just the imagery like james tinney and will write ten thousand words on a single page also to make the same point but i think simmons uh does a great job with just the art to yeah. convey the meaning that you're supposed to be taking away sure from the a moment
1: really good balance between the two of them i thought uh, in this book between the um the dialogue and what's told to you. Cause of course it's your character is new to this whole department of truth. And so they're using that as a way to like have characters explain what it is and what's going on and all that stuff to him. Um, and thus to you. But I thought there was a good balance between that and the art explaining things. It reminded me a lot of the art in witches in the way that the oh. kind of seen, but not seen becomes part of the unsettled feeling so that it puts you in the same kind of, Shoes as the main character.
0: Well, that's the thing that that really gets me about a lot of this horror stuff. Um, in this kind of vein, right? Like witches. uh, some of Junji Ito's work it was two of the things that I was thinking of. Like this idea of shapes beyond your vision. That like you look into a dark area and you can't be certain if there's something there or not or someone there. Yes. And to me, that is some of the most unsettling stuff that you can see. If only because it maybe is the most relatable. Yeah. Um, and this is where like when we're talking about diving down wikipedia holes in regards to that i always think approach it from the mindset of like well if you're seeing shapes off in the distance is that a thing is that some sort of psychosis is that some sort of like something wrong with your eyes do i have cataracts all of a sudden you know like have i developed cataracts in the last five minutes you know (laughs) like things that don't make any sense i mean like anxiety brain just wants you to dive into these these problems and things And this is where i'm like staring down at my phone and because i'm looking at a bright screen and i look back up into the darkness everything's extra dark and then it freaks me out even more it's just like oh yeah i, mean, I going to a put normal, a trigger warning for this whole episode for the record just because
1: a normal <laughs> optical illusion that just humans brains do of making because we try and assign patterns and meaning to things that even normal non like you you'll see you know, the clothes hanging on the hanger and it looks like a person, right? Oh, the shadow in the dark kind of thing. And so, but like, um, that's normal, but especially when people get really overtired, like you've been up for 24, 48 hours straight, it's normal to start seeing like shapes and shadows in the corner of your eye that disappear when you turn your head. Um, that's a thing that becomes really frightening if you have bad insomnia and have been up Mm -hmm. longer. And often those will look like kind of shadow people. And that's Probably the origin of that whole conspiracy theory thing Mm -hmm. um it's also a thing that happens obviously when people are more anxious and more aware of their surroundings they'll end up with their brain is being even more vigilant but um i've definitely had in my struggles with insomnia like a decade plus ago where i was up long enough that i'd start getting the like like things in the corner of eye and then they're gone when you turn your head and uh was freaked out that i was going crazy and my doctor's like no you're just really tired that's what happens and i was like okay (laughs) what Mm -hmm. a weird Mm -hmm. thing for the brain to do when you're tired but you know okay whatever you say
0: (laughs) yeah and again in people are you know they they make fiction based off of this as Mm -hmm. like a way to process it and i think it's it's important in a way to read stories like this for some people to understand the perspective of like where these ideas may come from and it's weird because it's a it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy cycle of like well i didn't think about this thing until i read this book and now i'm thinking about it and therefore now i think it's happening and it's it can be kind of bizarre that way but i also think there's value in like Reading that to process it, to understand it better, um, so that you can at least recognize that, oh, it's not just something that's happening to you, it's a an understood thing that happens to more people, and therefore it is not actually like an isolated incident, yeah, kind of thing.
1: I really like the part in Department of Truth where the they're explaining like why, Pete, like what is the psychological motivation? For people believing in and propagating these conspiracy theories about like the whole wanting the world to make sense in a way that makes them special and the victor or they're here or whatever, wanting things to kind of all line up in the right way. And then they kind of do like that was really interesting to me. And I would love, love more of that. I hope that they keep going with that.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think the Bigfoot arc kind of gets at that a little yeah mm-hmm. which is right around the corner i think
1: i uh, i ended up uh not googling the conspiracy theories in department of truth volume 1 but still, like going down a rabbit hole related to that stuff about the disappearances in the national parks and like the comparison of like where people oh, were last no. seen. no, don't get into that. Uh-uh. Where people were last seen <laughs> and mapped onto where the um, underground caves are for the national park systems and how they're like very, very similar to one another. And it's probably mm-hmm. that people are just wandering into caves thinking they can wander out and it's not working, right? Like, turns right, out that's right. really hard. But, still then when you go down that rabbit hole then you get into the weirder and weirder things that people think are causing it like there's doorways opening up and then people go into another dimension and you're like sure (laughs) sure Um, if only
0: narnia was real yeah yeah
1: Um. (laughs) and there's there's you know the Bigfoots out in the appalachia and they are gonna they get those people and i'm like i'm pretty sure they just get lost um Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting um what did you guys read
0: Nick,
2: you've got a whole yeah. list. Let's let's dig into some of your stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I think in a less tonally dark, you know, uh, direction, there are definitely certain works where there's a real, I, I guess, historical fiction would be the right genre, but there's a real blurring of of real events with some fictional events superimposed on them, or, or, um, in 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 the case of Alan Moore's From Hell. Mm. You actually have uh, Moore attempting to take years and years of of real research on Moore's part to attempt to construct uh, a narrative that uh, sort of explains uh, all of you know Jack the Ripper slash Springheeled Jack or or whatever whatever name you want to assign. To that whole set of Ripper murders in, uh, in London. And something like that is really fascinating, uh, especially because you, you do have this kind of melding uh, between the two. And uh, in some works, um, Moore's work, um, I think especially in, in, in later releases of it and republishing uh, uh, reprints of it, um, you you have a more detailed um, sort of blow by blow of of how more constructed it and sort of like the the background information is all there so if you kind of want to see how we pieced it together um, you can do that which 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 is helpful uh, you, you see the same thing with uh, durf back durfs works uh, whether we're talking about kent state or whether we're talking about uh what My is Friend Dahmer. My friend Dahmer, right. Mm-hmm. Where you have uh and, and to Backdurf's credit, um his sort of footnote sections are actually quite readable and actually very interesting. Um, which is also uh very helpful because um, you don't need to be googling Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, both from your internet service provider's uh, perspective and your own well-being perspective. Uh, they already know <laughs> I'm just, weird. <laughs> it's okay. You just you just don't uh, you just don't need to be doing that. And so, you know, Durf, BackDurf is providing a real um, service there. But it, it's it's always sort of fascinating to see uh, how these things come together, and even not not just in sort of horror works or conspiracy theory oriented works, but um, you know, with something like uh, even, even Vinland saga, which I was reading uh, last night, um, which is about uh, like 10th century, uh, like um, you know, Europe, 10th century Scandinavia um, about obviously Vikings um, with something like that. I'm just going straight to Wikipedia and being like, how much is this actually derived from like real Viking tales? And Mm -hmm, are these mm -hmm. characters composite characters or or based on real individuals and things like that? And and I always enjoy those works more than the ones where (laughs) you read like a comic or like a historical fiction book. And you can tell that somebody like really wants to show that they've done their work and they're just like dropping in years all over the place. And it's like, Oh, it's this character and this character and they're trying to, depict a historical narrative you know blow for blow and it's like i get that you did your work and and it's clear that you've researched this but this also isn't fun <laughs> this also <laughs> is not fun to read and you're you know six degrees of separation away from being a, a college textbook and um you know uh a footnote section exists for a reason and and please use it
0: Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. So, so
1: yeah, that was one thing I really liked about becoming unbecoming, which is the writer and artist is a woman who just goes by una. And uh, not not to be ca- confused with my cat Una, they do spell it differently. Uh, they spell it U N A. But I wouldn't um,
0: want to get your cat confused with, like with an this, actual, like
1: actual. Don't person, want your right, professional right.
2: author false author attributions. Uh-huh, yeah, right. exactly.
1: So, I mean, she is very talented girl, um, but she is way too lazy to ever write a book. <laughs> so, um, she is sleeping right now, uh, right next to me. So, anyway, this one is about um, her growing up from like ages like 10 to 16 um, during the time when the Yorkshire Ripper um, murders were happening in England Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. right in her area. And um, I really liked how she includes like quotes from news coverage at the time, all throughout the book to help talk about the way to illustrate the ways in which people were talking about this case, because it was so, so deeply wrapped up in the like sexism of the time where mm-hmm. the case would have been solved almost immediately if the police had been willing to listen to a teenage girl that was one of the first victims who lived and was able to describe in detail uh, the man that did it. And they didn't believe her because they mm. were so stuck on the theory that he was killing just prostitutes. And the way that it was discussed in the media and by the police was all about, like, women – It um wasn't you know innocent women. It was, you know, those women who were doing bad things. Right. The sin like right, this right. and that, right? And so when they kept having survivors come forward or other cases that had lots of clues, but they were discounting them because they were people who weren't prostitutes, um, then it took them what, 20 years instead of like a year. And they also, that meant that every time a new victim Happened, they dug into the woman's past trying to figure out what made her bad. You know what I mean? Like, so it became a oh. character assassination on purpose of these yeah. women to illustrate, like, oh, what was she doing that she was, she must be, you know, um doing unsavory things and not be a strong moral character that he got he picked her. And it turned out had nothing to do with prostitutes. There were so many more victims than they knew. Because it was just him killing women, it had. But it was mm-hmm. the public and everyone was so clung to the idea because it meant that you could be safe, right? Like if you're a good woman, this isn't going to happen to you,
0: right? Right.
1: And so this all happens in the context of her growing up and experiencing multiple sexual assaults as a child dear, between you know ten and sixteen, and then being blamed for it and really ostracized as a as being called like a slut by her peers. Right. So she's like, Oh, I'm one of the dirty, bad women. That means I'm going to be a victim. And so all of this is like, kind of goes back and forth between how she was treated after her and heard or not heard is really the thing after her much less headline grabbing crime, the very day to day crime of, of Mm a young woman being assaulted, especially like more than 30% of rapes of women are in girls that age. So Mm. um, going between that, and then comparing that to the context of the that case of this man who's hammering and stabbing women to death. I mean, it is brutal. Mm -hmm. And how how those are basically one is an exaggerated form of the other, and how society really responded to both in the same way. And in the same way, it made it so that Men went free and justice isn't served. It was just a really well done. I will say the art isn't anything exciting. It gets the story across. What's really interesting is the wit- the narrative and how she looks about- at all this. But they also include a bunch of footnotes with more information about the different cases so that she doesn't get bogged down, like Nick was saying, like super bogged down in all the details of the different um, victims and the way that the investigation went wrong. And it went wrong in a ton of ways. Um mm-hmm and all that so it was uh i thought really cool and i really like the footnotes aspect of it and definitely flagged a couple of like the books and documentaries on the topic that are in the like there's also like an end like further reading section um Mm -hmm. that i thought were really cool gotcha excited to look at it's on hoopla i'll just say it's on hoopla (laughs)
0: I was going to say, and I mean, this this to me in itself, just the book and its footnotes. And I think that Derf Backderf does this. And I think yeah. like Box Brown has also done this in his work, like gives you enough to say like, hey, if you want to f- continue reading down this thing, there is way more than I was not able to cover in mm-hmm. this book, um, which I think is really interesting. And like, you know, we say going down Wikipedia holes to make sure that things are all right. But also it's going down Wikipedia holes to also educate yourself, right? Which I was going is-
1: to say for me, it's usually to get more information.
0: Right, right well yeah i was i was i had another weird set of books that i was thinking of for this um that are kind of bizarre and like very far removed from everything else that we've talked about okay uh like there's a book called pink that i read and a book called helter skelter by an author named uh kyoko okazaki okazaki jizo pete's um where it, they they're kind of based on no one particular thing so much as an amalgamation of different style like people's lives in like high society in weird ways um about like one woman who's so desperate to change the way that she looks in her whole history and past that she goes far far out of her way to different countries to get surgeries and to like pay people to get rid of information about her and to eliminate like actual human beings who may have known her before she became this new person. That kind of stuff, um, really makes me kind of like scratch my head and think like, I know that this is fiction. I know that this is based on nothing directly, but also this type of stuff is kind of real. Like the, the extremely elite and rich and powerful in this world, like to an extent can have this sort of level, sort of level, like to the point where, um, you know, there are some celebrities even who like no one truly knows their, their original name. No one truly knows like how old they are, you know? Um, and I only say this cuz a friend of mine used to work for a company that was owned by the Daily Mail like she worked there a long long time ago and she was telling this story last night um and I don't want to perpetuate any gossip so I won't say who they were talking about but they were like trying to call their old school and like the old place where supposedly their hometown was to try to like get a date as to what year they graduated from high school and they were like well we know like that someone of that name went to this school but we can't verify if it's this celebrity or not And they spent like an entire, like two days, I think, working on this, trying to figure out just the actual age and hometown of this actress. And they couldn't. And no one, I mean, like, if you do a little bit of Googling, you can maybe figure out what I'm talking about. But still, it's like. These types of things are real. And in my mind, I'm just like, I need to go down a Wikipedia hole and figure out if this person is actually, we don't know how old they are. We don't know where they're actually from. They just kind of came out of nowhere. And now they're this big, massive celebrity that if I told you guys the name, you all go, oh, I know exactly who that is. Um, So, yeah, it's the other reason I don't want to say it is because, like, I don't want to perpetuate celebrity gossip holy sure um nick i told you that in confidence uh sorry but uh anyways no but it's reading books like pink or helter skelter where you get these like extremely strange slice of life type stories maybe maybe less so helter skelter i think this is more pink where like there are these like supposedly like i don't know like very popular celebrities where they've just totally curated every aspect of who they are and how they present themselves to the world as well as to the people that they interact with on like a daily basis and even have relationships with um is kind of fascinating to me because it it kind of scratches an itch in my brain of like do people actually do this? And, you mm. know, like, have I ever met someone that's actually done that? Or like, it, it kind of it kind of gets me into this whole thing, looking up stories of people who have like drastically changed their entire life um, just to present a certain image to other people. Um, and to me, that's like so much work, but also extremely fascinating that someone would go so far to do that, not for any nefarious purpose other than to say, I want to have this perfect image of myself and present it to other people. You know whether you consider that nefarious or not. You know I'll let you guys decide that yourselves. But um, yeah, those those two books really got to me because they have some extremely like just interesting twists and turns that like I don't think everybody would enjoy those books, but I really found them to be, to be fascinating for that reason. Um, so yeah, I took a little bit of a left turn on this topic. It's not just all murders and conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, I mean,
2: you're, I mean, what you're kind of presenting is sort of the the inversion. Of the of the topic in a way, it's sort of not so much uh, the ability to go up and get on the internet and and find the supplementary information, but more so just the inverse of of realizing that that information doesn't exist, right? That there's there's mm-hmm. there's an absence of it, and in what you're describing, sort of um, a deliberate and calculated attempt to you know reshape or or remove. That information. So that's right. That's interesting. Um, I mean,
0: it all it still circles back to the Department of Truth thing, yeah. Like ideas and people shaping the world, you know, to their to their image. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a different aspect because it's not like a big global conspiracy so much as a personal conspiracy about a single person, you know. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any any last thoughts? Any other books that we didn't mention that you guys want to bring up before we wrap up here, real quick? Um, I mean, like any any Hellboy book any Hellboy
2: adjacent book just basically has me on Google constantly and they're like oh did you did you know about this like priest in the 16th century that like walled himself off in this church or whatever and I'm like this is this fucking real is this Mike Mignola is this real (laughs) <laughs> is this real? Did this really happen? Or any time where like the Nazis get involved and they're like, did you know the Nazis were trying to revive blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that probably, that's probably true. That one is. Like, that
0: one, I believe. That one, one, I believe.
2: Like anytime they're like, oh, they were like trying to, you know, resurrect Rasputin or things like that. And I'm like, probably true. Um, So any of that stuff, anything in BPRD, uh, anything in like, you know, which finder. Uh, definitely. Um, but then also like Hickman stuff, same thing, man. Anything involving like Manhattan projects or, or um, oh boy, yeah, yeah, like that's like definitely googling all the time.
1: Yeah, uh, any the historical type stuff, um, gets me too.
2: But but then even like Brubaker Phillips stuff, where. You've got like a historical backdrop on things where it's not as front and center, or or Hickman, you know, it's not like Hickman esque where you're like, oh gosh, like is this true, like fringe theory about World War Two, like World War Two, an actual thing? But just um, the fact that uh, Brubaker and Phillips set their stories in these different, you know, backdrops, like 1940s Hollywood, like um, the story that I can't think of the title of um, with the screenwriter. Again, still yeah. can't think of that. Or me either. Or reckless, um, where you've got these uh, '70s and '80s backdrops about you know, MK Ultra and the Weathermen and things like that, um, uh, which is even more compelling to me because in in these books, these sorts of conspiracy theory esque threads aren't really always that front and center. It's just kind of lingering there, and you're like, oh, you know, I wonder if that's you
0: know, I want to learn more yeah. about that the fade out was the book you were thinking of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Totally agree. Um, Yeah. Well, um, this is an interesting conversation. I'll say, Uh, I appreciate you guys bringing it to me. And uh, now I will be even more scared of the dark Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. questioning uh, if, uh, People are watching Kate's search history because you know I uh, I worry now. Now I'm worried. <laughs> uh, this is where we put in our NordVPN plug because the we truth do. is
1: out there, Mike.
0: Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is our our NordVPN sponsorship. guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys bringing. Like I said, this is a really interesting topic. Um, and it you've given me at least a couple of books that I should check out just to to get the adrenaline pumping. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, anyways, we're gonna wrap up here. Next week's episode is gonna be me, Tia, and Paul celebrating 30 years of image comics by discussing how image has impacted our experiences in reading comics. Um, I think, you know, I'd be really curious to know what everybody else thinks, uh, what how they've been affected by image. So if you've got anything, send us an email at ircbpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voicemail and we can play it on the episode. Um, be really interested to hear what folks think because it's the 30th anniversary of Image Comics, and we're not gonna talk about that stupid annotated cover comic that came out for $8. I can't believe they charged money for that um but anyways you can follow us all on twitter you can follow nick at death star plans you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show on instagram twitter and tiktok at ircb podcast this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful
2: patrons you can join today for exclusive series access to things like ircb movie club saga of saga and more join now at patreon.com forward slash ircb podcast And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be fantastic, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, because we deserve it.
1: You can also join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. There's a link to our Discord link in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB?
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe They do all of our music and we can't thank them enough Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound Cool every single week and he edits the show I want to say thank you to Kate and Nick for this episode I want to say thank you to Danny and Paul And Kara and Tom and everybody Hanging out with us in the discord chat today You fantastic human beings are just fantastic And I want to say thank you to everybody out there Who listens to the show You are all wonderful people Thank you so much for supporting us And until next time, comics are good And so are you